Groove Radio, RadioNext.tv, at the Cool Groove site. We come to you every Wednesday from 10 until noon. Grateful to be here again at 2131 East 10th Street, right across the street from the Bonner Center. And if uh, you're at all interested in meeting with me after uh, the show uh, sometime, happy to do so. They serve really good salads over at Burger King. So that's right across the street. Looking forward to that. Got some great uh, interviews uh, set up through the rest of this particular month. We've got Tina Cos Crosby coming in uh, this next week uh, talking with us about her new endeavors and, of course, the TV personality uh, from here in Indianapolis. We're looking forward to having her on the show. And then, of course, uh, Dr. Clyde Posley, uh, my brother, is uh, coming in here in just a few moments, joining me as co-host uh, to this particular show. Let me just give you an overview for what we are doing on a regular basis through Comenius. This is a Comenius Institute-sponsored radio show, Warp and Woof Radio. We cross three bridges at uh, the Comenius Institute. The first bridge that we cross is that into college at IUPUI, helping Christian young people to think differently, to think Christianly about the studies that they have there. Also interacting with all kinds of folks there, uh, staff, uh, faculty, uh, students. I'm teaching a course there at IUPUI, Reading, Writing, and Inquiry. Uh, happy to engage uh, those kinds of things with those kinds of folks uh, down at IUPUI. That's the first bridge into college. The second bridge is into community, and the emphasis, of course, in community is always going to be the same, and that is that we are linking communities in and around Indianapolis. That means Indianapolis leaders, and so we are looking forward to connecting with all different kinds of folks. Today, of course, as I mentioned, Elevate Indianapolis is coming in. Aaron Story, the president CEO of that good nonprofit organization, which is helping to mentor uh, urban youth here in Indianapolis working specifically with IPS schools, really grateful for their good work. And of course we do that interconnectivity in terms of community through this particular radio show, uh, Warp and Woof Radio. We've been doing this now for over two and a half years. In fact, this is, I think, our 135th show. Uh, so we're very happy to have had the opportunity to be here uh, invested and involved in the, in the city of Indianapolis Grateful to interact with people around the world, actually, uh, connecting with us from various continents and various great cities in and around uh, the world. So that's the second bridge that we cross into communities, uh, with special emphasis, by the way, on linking black and white leaders. And I should uh, just pause for a moment uh, to give recognition to the homegoing, to the graduation to glory of our friend uh, Charles Ellis, Pastor Charles Ellis from 25th Street Baptist Church. Uh, just uh, ascended to glory here this last weekend. Grateful for his life, uh, grateful for the opportunity to have known him, to have worked a bit with him uh, here in the radio show, uh, Ten Point Coalition, uh, Charles Harrison, Pastor Charles Harrison. Their show uh, airs uh, immediately after our show here at RadioNext.tv. And so we're really ha uh, grateful to have had a longstanding relationship uh, with Charles. Looking forward to that reunion someday with him but nonetheless uh, giving our deep condolences uh, to those in and around his church community, his church family, his personal family, and of course to the Ten Point Coalition, Indianapolis Ten Point. Great work that they do. So the second bridge into communities, that's our emphasis. The third bridge that we cross is actually into culture. And so we do that in lots of different ways. Uh, just to give you an example of this, I just uh, finished this morning before I came over to the studio. 
uh, just uh, finished the opportunity to uh, contribute to a peer-reviewed journal, The Theological Foundations of the Abolitionist Movement, which comes out of uh, the Civil War period. Took a great class this last year on that particular issue and uh, glad to have written that article. It's going to appear in Integrité, which is a journal of faith and learning coming out of Missouri Baptist University in Missouri. Uh, grateful for the opportunity to write. Uh, you see our Truth in Two videos on a regular basis. They come out on Tuesday mornings. A shout out to our good friend and colleague, Josh Collingwood, and for the good uh, work that he does, uh, certainly with the technological aspect of what we produce. Uh, there's going to be a, uh, a documentary coming out about Cominius and the work that we do around Indianapolis uh, into cultures. Uh, glad for the opportunity to uh, be invested there as well. But Josh does great work. And then, of course, there's Polly Riddell. Uh, Polly does uh, tremendous connection work for us at Cominius. Uh, grateful for uh, her relationships with all kinds of different folks in and around Indianapolis. In fact, I'm going to Greenwood right after the show today to meet uh, with somebody down there that's interested in our show and the work that we do. So we're always grateful for the work that Polly does connecting us in and around Indianapolis. And then, of course, uh, we have a, a great opportunity in terms of crossing that bridge into culture. I've just been invited to Marion University in October, October 30th. We'll give you the details as we get closer to the day. But I'll be speaking there on Gothic horror literature, which is uh, one of my great loves and passions. I actually teach a course on that uh, through Indiana Wesleyan University. Uh, grateful for the opportunity to do those things. And, of course, the issue of Gothic horror is a long-standing one for me. I've uh, been teaching Dracula, Frankenstein, Jekyll and Hyde, uh, Island of Dr. Moreau for a very long time. Love those books. Uh, they are great morality tales. Uh, they have universal truths for any person, anywhere, anytime, for all people, cultures, geography, ethnicities, does not matter. These are great books to study and read. So I'll be uh, giving a presentation at Marion University. And then, of course, uh, just uh, yesterday, I, I should give a shout out to a colleague at IUPUI who uh, introduced me uh, to the Ray Bradbury Center uh, at IUPUI, a fantastic uh, opportunity to see something that exists only one place in the world, and it is at Indianapolis, it is in Indianapolis at IUPUI, and the good work of John Eller and Jason Ackerman, uh, were, I was grateful to have met Jason yesterday, and the preservation that they are doing with the Ray Bradbury materials, and we're talking about materials that are written on paper, so not just uh, uh, the, the normal things that you might think about in terms of streaming information. But we're talking about a collection of tremendous uh, value uh, there at IUPUI and grateful to have had the opportunity to talk with Jason yesterday for over an hour. Uh, tremendous uh, work that they're doing there at the Ray Bradbury Center. I mention that because, again, our interest is always in all different kinds uh, of venues, all different directions. Our focus, of course, is uh, also in the emphasis on culture. So uh, that's just one more example of the kind of things that we do and the kind of work uh, that we are invested in at IUPUI. So uh, in this particular show, uh, just as an introduction, uh, we've given kind of an overview of the Cominius Institute, what we do, uh, the kinds of thing, the kinds of work that we're invested in. Uh, my co-host, Dr. Clyde Posey, just come in uh, to the station, to the radio show. I'm going to be adjusting the screen here for everybody so that we get both of us in here. Good morning, brother. Good morning. How are you? Glad to be here with you today. 
Thank you ever so much. Our screens, of course, are, are interesting uh, propositions here, trying to put get t tripods and all of those good things in the right positions. And of course, uh, we're doing this through YouTube Live and Facebook Live. And then H.B. Uh, Bell, our great producer, uh, good friend here at uh, RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. You see the banner behind us. Uh, he's the one who takes care of podcasts coming out later on. Then we shuffle it off to Josh Collingwood. We mentioned Josh a moment ago, thankful for his technological uh, services. And uh, we get this thing then posted later on today. Again, Aaron Story will be with us here in the second hour. Uh, but in, after we take a one-song break, we'll do that in just a second. But after we take a one-song break, uh, we'll be right back and uh, talk about the biblical concept of mentoring uh, between Dr. S Dr. Posley and myself. We'll be talking about those kinds of ideas. So you are listening to Warp and Woof Radio at RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. A one-song break. We'll be right back. We are back. Warp and Woof Radio at RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. We come to you every single Wednesday from 10 until noon, and we are across the street from the Bonner Center at 2131 East 10th Street. Our producer, H.B. Bell, and co-host, Dr. Clyde Posley, Dr. Mark Eckel, we are glad to be here with you today. We are focused and centering our attention today on the topic of mentoring. So, uh, Dr. Posley, I'll just run a couple of these ideas here, this etymological background. Uh, mentor literally meant a wise advisor. Uh, somebody who becomes a coach, one who uh, admonishes uh, an instructor, a trainer uh, in the athletic sense, but also one who comes alongside to help in scholarship, uh, a tutor. Pick up any of those concepts that you would like and run with it here this morning. Uh, what are we talking about when we're talking about a Christian view of mentoring? Yeah, well, let me start by saying that our first mentor, Obviously, we're going to talk about youth today. Yes. Uh, but I, the first mentor is the paraclete. Oh, Holy, Holy Spirit. Holy yeah. Spirit. Yeah. Um, this morning, I, I was talking to my wife, and I was talking about how how God create, uh, in regeneration makes us righteous. Mm. And then he moves, he himself moves inside of us. Uh, to then help us to display mm -hmm. or live out the righteousness he has put in has put in us. Yes. And so not only does God make us new, but then He teaches, He moves in us to teach us how to be new. Mm. So then God becomes uh, the first mentor, um, and interestingly enough, Jesus calls that first mentor the Comforter. Mm. So the first one of the first things that the Holy Spirit has, has to, the Spirit of God does when He moves in us is comfort us mm -hmm. in uh, as a means of getting us into this new life. Mm. Many young people uh, moving forward with this conversation, many young people who need mentoring, people period, but we're talking about young people. Today, yeah, yeah. Who, who need mentoring? Uh, the first, the, the mentoring must come first, or should come. It's good for that mentoring to come in the form of comfort. Mm. Comfort first, mm. following the model of Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, in the Beatitudes, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about blessed are uh, uh, they who do who mourn; they shall mm. be comforted. And if mm. it doesn't take far to look today to see, we have a vast amount of young people mm. who are mourning, and some don't know that they're mourning. Mm. And so, and so, mentoring is a biblical concept. It comes from God, 
and it, and 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 all throughout Scripture, Old Testament as you call it, First Testament teaching, uh, moving into the introduction of the New Testament teaching, mm. we see the mindset of God desiring to be closer and closer and closer mm. to humanity, mm. even to the place where where the where we call where the angel calls Jesus the Emmanuel mm. to be God with us, mm -hmm. and so. It's every it, it's God, so we know we can derive from that that it's God's every intention to not just guide us, not just not just mentor us, but to guide us and do it from as close a proximity to us mm. as he as as possible. Mm. I think we talked, uh, or at least I mentioned this maybe last week, the week before, uh, Numbers chapter eleven, uh, where uh, Moses says, uh, uh, having been anointed with the Holy Spirit, I wish that all people. Uh, would have the Holy Spirit. And uh, so we're talking about right. something that happens uh, in both Testaments here, as you right. well attest. And this concept, of course, of comforting uh, is, a, is a really cool way to begin the show because when we come alongside young people, oftentimes what I discover, uh, you speak about your own experience, of course, but what I discover is they're really receptive when you're generous and gracious to them. Mm -hmm. So here's just an example of this. Uh, this last week, in fact, it was the very first day of class at IUPUI mm -hmm. a few weeks back. Uh, one of my students, uh, she came in. She's, she has this little boy with her, about three, four years of age. And she says, oh, Prof, you know, I, my, I, my babysitter fell through. Do you mind if, if uh, Manuel comes and, and is with us here yeah, today? Yeah, oh, my word. Absolutely. He can come here anytime. So this last week, just yesterday, a Tuesday, she stops me before class. She smiles. She said, Emmanuel wanted to come to class today because mm -hmm. he wanted to see you again. Mm -hmm. You know, the whole point, of course, is that when you demonstrate comfort Absolutely. to people, you know, Absolutely. that kind of thing, that's the big deal. Well, this is, <laughs> this, is the, this is the design of God. Yes. If, if, if you, if you uh, in, in the family structure, yeah. the first, what establishes the, re the teaching relationship mm -hmm. between parents and children mm -hmm. is how the mother starts introduces herself to the mm -hmm. child with tenderness yes and nurturing yes and 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 suckling mm -hmm. and uh, attachment mm -hmm. and all of what goes on in the brain uh, to develop the emotional connection between the child and mm -hmm. the mother in breastfeeding yes so comfort mm -hmm. is the first uh component uh that 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 the parents uh, uh that establishes the relationship mm. between parents and children, mm. and then they can, then mm. we can teach. Yes, and, and it doesn't start with us as men. Mm. We need to accept that 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 relationship is established in the woman with the mm. wife with the mother, mm. and so so it, it, it can be argued then, Doctor Echo, that the wife establishes the platform for the husband to teach and lead the family. Oh, my. That's, yeah, that's really great stuff, man. I got to tell you that, uh, and so this is, we're going to go PG-13 we'll here just for, just for a second, PG-13. Uh, when Dr. Clyde mentioned the attachment issue between uh, a child and the mother at breastfeeding, I, my mind immediately went uh, to El Shaddai, which is the God of all strength or all comfort and it means two different things in hebrew it can be mountain or it can mean breast and it's really fascinating that here you have this picture of god who is not only the strength of one's life but also the comfort at that's, the same that's time right. that's right and so it, and then of course to come over to second testament teaching i'm thinking about what the apostle paul says 
in First Thessalonians chapter two, and he says, "I become a mother and a father that's to right. you." That's, that's just right. those fantastic. I'm that's so right. glad you picked up on that that's idea. Right. That's, 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 that, that's so true, and so and so mentoring in my mind, uh, in an overarching way. Uh, I, I don't know if I say it overarching way, maybe essentially. Mm. You know, we could, we could argue that debate. When, when, in the audience, when I say argue, I don't mean fight. I mean, yeah. you know, we, right. But, uh, um, but mentoring is 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 greatly affected uh, by comfort, mm. and so therefore, uh, in my mind, any real mentoring mm. has to begin with understanding the condition uh, and the and the social uh, and, and the space that you find a, a child in, mm. a person, yeah. a, a child in. Because their 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 social space, mm. the narrative that is their background and where and, and 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 the intersectionality of these situations that have made them who they are, uh, cannot be overlooked because of this concept I'm arguing about comfort. Yes, so if you're going to comfort them, you have to accept that they have been formed, mm. that their ontology has has been established by that 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 collage of a background. Mm. And so, because they're not going to allow you to teach them if you don't seem sensitive That's, to that. Oh, man. Yeah. You know, every single week, I just as a sidebar to this whole conversation, I have to say, every single week, I am so excited to be with you. <laughs> because, you know, where, where we go with these conversations, you know, we set stuff up, but we never know where it's going to go. And so this week is just another example of this where, you know, we just kind of riffing here yeah. on theological truths. Yeah. Holy Spirit. And, 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 I, and I mean this, I do mean this humbly as I say this as in response to you. That's, again, and I'm almost frightened to say it, but it's the truth, so it needs to be said. This next thing I'm about to say. This is what's supposed to happen when when people just come to submit. Jesus said in, in, the, in the presence of, he told his disciples, in the presence of great men, the Holy Spirit at that time mm. will give you what to say. Mm -hmm. And so th this, and if, if things that Christ promises in the Bible and what God promises in the Old Testament don't manifest in us either God's lying mm. or we're lying. Mm. If the Bible is true and we say we're men of faith, that stuff ought to be seen. Mm -hmm. We're not claiming to be perfect, but we should be able to sit down, like Peter said, and give an answer at any time right. about what who our God is to us. And that's all we're doing. The Holy Spirit is just reaching in and taking that stuff out that he put in. <laughs> we're just sitting in these classes and yeah. sitting with these mentors and that's right. sitting with our parents, sitting with our wives, mm -hmm. sitting with people who 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 have helped to make our heads fat. And I, don't, <laughs> and I mean in the, in the sense of what... In the Psalm, best sense. Yeah, yeah, in the best sense of what Psalm 23 talks about. You know, yeah, and, this is... Uh, my head with oil. That's right. This this concept of mentoring youth and the and what uh, Dr. Clyde has uh, has picked up on here early on this need for us to recognize the the necessity of comfort mm -hmm. for young people the necessity of uh, seeing where they're at in our Marlin, modern parlance right. uh, to accept them for who they are right. and the place that they're in because folks our students could be in very difficult places. Sure. Sure, and and, and, and and you have, again, have to ask the Holy Spirit uh, to help you understand it. Mm -hmm. I, I think part of what has helped our show and helped our helped our friendship is, is some conversations that we had 
right after the show got going, mm. where you talked to me a little bit about your background. Yes. I, I mean, we did it more than once, but what's coming to my mind once we were at Murphy's, another time we were at my office. Yeah. And, and we just kind of shared, mm -hmm. okay, we can't, we can't, we couldn't, could not move forward uh, without understanding. Mm -hmm. You have to be in someone else's background, mm -hmm. but I can understand the principles. Yep. And, and, and so now I understand why Mark feels this way about that, mm -hmm. you know, or whether I agree with that or not. Agreement is not always the biggest thing. Understanding. Right. Jesus, the Bible doesn't say, with all thy getting, uh, agree with it. Mm -hmm. He says, with all thy getting, get an understanding. Yes. Because we can't, we, can't, we can't sit on panels. We can't go about doing the things we want to do without understanding people's backgrounds. Mm. And I think that's what has helped uh, Aaron be successful. I, and I know that as a parent, I have to consider the impact of my ch my own children's mm -hmm. background, uh, Mark. Yep. On yep. And the impact on them because just because I what my narrative of what I think they've gone through, mm -hmm. and I want our audience to hear this. What I think, the impact I think there that our experience that their experience should produce in them mm -hmm. is not fair to put on them. Mm -hmm. They have their own ideas of how and feelings about what they've gone through. Mm. As a mentor and a parent, I need to respect that mm. if I'm going to comfort and then lead, let that comfort mm. lead to teaching. That is the first step toward mentoring is respect, being generous, gracious with people. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio at RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. Uh, we're going to be taking a one-song break here in just a second. But when we come back, Dr. Clyde and I are going to continue our conversation about the mentoring of youth and the necessity of understanding a biblical mindset here of this very idea, the origins, of course, coming out of Scripture. In our second hour, Aaron Story, who's already arrived, is going to be here with us, talking with us about his great work at Elevate Indianapolis. Warp and Woof Radio at RadioNX.tv at the Cool Groove site. We'll be right back. And we are back. Warp and Woof Radio at RadioNX.tv at the Cool Groove site. Picking up the podcast, if you're listening to us live via radio, I know that a lot of you have earbuds in around offices in and around Indianapolis, not to mention the nation and the world. Folks listen to us, watching us everywhere. It's one of the greatnesses of the time in which we live. Uh, we want to make a, a genuine, uh, once again, comment about a pastor here in Indianapolis, um, who has gone on to glory. Uh, once again, I mentioned um, Charles Ellis, Pastor Charles Ellis, 25th Street Baptist Church at the top of the hour. But we want to mention him again, our love and deepest condolences, brotherly love to those Absolutely. in the community to and in the family. family. And his wife, Absolutely. and children. Absolutely. Yep. And from one pastor, Dr. Clyde Posley, to another and to all pastors, uh, we uh, once again want to uh, express our condolences, but also our rejoicing in the fact that our brother has now uh, risen to the great cloud of witnesses, and we are grateful uh, for the opportunity to not only have known him, but look forward to the reunion as well. Absolutely. To celebrate once again. We appreciate his work with the Ten Point Coalition. Yes. We appreciate every every child that he influenced uh, uh, in his congregation, every every gospel message that he preached, and every uh, he, he pastored a historic church in Indianapolis, 25th Street Baptist Church, has a storied uh, a line of pastors. And we just appreciate what he has done. His work, because the Ten Point Coalition continues and the desire to do more for the community continues, his work will live on until the rapture. There you go. So we appreciate him, and may God rest his soul. Absolutely. We're grateful for uh, him and for the uh, legacy that he leaves behind. Speaking of legacy, of course, we're talking today about mentorship and the options that we have 
of investing in the lives of young people. Aaron's story will be coming in the second hour here in just a few minutes. Uh, but before he comes in, let's continue our conversation about what does it mean to mentor young people and our interest in uh, connecting with them. Uh, when we think about uh, these kinds of things from our roles as teachers and pastors, uh, Dr. Clyde, uh, from your vantage point, uh, what are some of the, the important ideas that are of necessity to communicate to young people uh, in this particular culture? Well, uh, I'm a, as a as you know, uh, those I said, I'm, I'm a pastor, so I want I want to quickly establish with I think every mentor should quickly establish a God consciousness uh, with with young people they mentor. So you can't just come out as a mentor uh, in a secular. Uh, Maybe secular is not the word. You can't just go preaching, so to speak, mm. uh, in school systems funded mm. by uh, the government. Right. So then you establish a moral consciousness. Mm -hmm. if, you, if you cannot say God, you know, so to mm. speak, and I know you know what I mean. Just, yes. But uh, you want to establish a moral consciousness. Mm -hmm. Let me say this very quickly as I answer your question. I, I was talking to someone the other day, and this person is, 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 is bright, uh, has a law degree. Um, uh, up in age, you know, middle age like uh, you and I, and we were talking about whether or not a woman, a single woman, can raise a uh, boy mm. to manhood as a single parent. Mm. I said, of course she can, because it's established, because you raise people by principles, you mm. mentor by principles. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, a black woman can raise a white boy, a white woman can raise a boy, because it's based on principles. That's right. This person said to me, and I quote, and, and, I, and uh, I quote, morals have nothing to do with raising a boy to be a man. Wow. So I asked the person, I said, you don't mean to say that, do you? Wow. And he said, yes, I stand by what I say. It's not about morals. It's about teaching them their sexuality, teaching them this, that, and other thing. I said, I'm going to end this conversation. Wow. Because... The first thing, so getting back to dealing with your question, mm -hmm. the first thing that any mentor needs to establish in the life of a young boy or a young girl is there are consequences to your actions. Mm. There are right actions and there are wrong actions. Mm. Their morals and ethics are immutable. Mm. They do not change. They are real. They are reality. And so we need to, and so I said, so, so to be more specific about your question, the first thing that any mentor in my mind needs to establish is uh, a, a a morality of self mm. and awareness of who you are, and that and, and we believe that comes from seeing God. There you go. You know. Yeah. Uh, but you need to establish that, and then your place in the world, your relationship mm. to the world, uh, because if, if you don't learn your relationship with the world, then you don't know how to interact in society and 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 bless society or serve society. And have it work with you to accomplish mm -hmm. live, uh, your, the, the, the purpose of your identity. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so there, there are those the last and, 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 and as good as any, most important as any, is to give is to help them understand <clears throat> they are here by choice. Mm -hmm. They are not an act. There is no birth that is an accident. Mm -hmm. the, the, uh, uh, the Book of Ruth said God gives conception. Mm -hmm. That's right. So if. And even in extreme cases, in one of my Sunday school classes that came the other day, is abortion okay if the person was raped? No, abortion's not the will of God ever. 
-hmm. That's not what God wants to happen. Amen. In the process of trying to give life, he doesn't want us to take life. Mm -hmm. uh, so if a person were raped and, and, and they gave birth, and, I, and I, people can choose to do what they want to do, you know, but, but, but the, the point is, if God permits a life, if he permits a life, then we need to, that, that, that child needs to come to understand from a mentor, mm. a parent or a mentor, you are not a mistake. Mm. God brought you here. He intends for you to be here. So he decided that this work, this earth is not what God, what he wants it to be with you not in it. Mm -hmm. So mentors have mm -hmm. to make sure that every child finally <clears throat> has an understanding of their purpose, yes. their existence, yes. and their value to this world, mm. or they won't want to live. And this goes back to uh, how we actually started the process of this particular discussion, which uh, goes all the way back to treating people with respect, with love, with generosity, with grace, that we meet people this way, instead of bearing some kind of uh, lawful constraint, uh, we ought to bear with us the, the acceptance of love, no matter who the person might right. be. That changes more than things than anything. Mm. And then, of course, within, and of course, we could get into this long discussion, maybe over Valentine's Day, we can get into a discussion about the source of love. I'm always... Uh, I'm always shaking my head when people say, well, it's all about love. And my question is always the same. Well, where's the love come from? Yeah. Well, what's the source and the origin define, of the love? You, define you love. It's about your, <laughs> yeah. your, your origin your, uh, of concepts about love. And that's a big deal. That is a big deal. That is a big deal. Because if, if God is not teaching you love, then the world has taught you love. Yes, and many young people who need to be mentored are suffering from that very thing. Mm -hmm. People, so in many instances, people who do not know God has la have laid upon them some brand of secular love, mm -hmm. reward-based love, mm -hmm. or some ir uh, illicit touching love, mm -hmm. and now they are confused, mm. and so it makes it hard for the mentor to come in and try to try to get, bring some Christian love. Yes. When the Holy love, because the last thing I know about love, I was in a dark room and such mm -hmm. and such happened. Yeah. I didn't, that didn't feel right to me. Mm -hmm. And so uh, mentors have their work cut out for them. But but the God of love, if, if mm -hmm. true love can get past any pain, mm -hmm. any hurt, mm -hmm. any sorrow, I think I'm alive today and able to uh, try to serve people like I do because some people loved me. Yes. And, and, they, and they weren't all black. And the spirit yeah. and of this that we're communicating here this morning about uh, the importance of mentoring, uh, it reminds me, uh, perhaps we could pick up on this analogy, it's like the seed of a weed that finds its way into the crack in between the crevices of concrete. And over time, this seed becomes a weed or uh, some kind of flourishing plant, and it begins to break up the concrete. This small seed is the very origin of something that begins to uh, take away or demolish the hatred and the objectification that people might see in, in a wrong view of love and so on. And, and this is what mentors do. Uh, this is, takes place over a long period of time. This is not a run-and-gun, one-and-done kind of approach to life. Right. Uh, this is something that takes time and effort and patience. And this is, of course, what Aaron Story is going to be talking about That's in the good. second hour where he's going to be emphasizing how much time it takes over a long period of years mm -hmm. 
that this is going to actually be taking place and the necessity of that, right. that we stay with it. Yeah, that was really profound. And just, just, just for the sake of transparency, I'm going to steal that. <laughs> I'm going to preach it from my pulpit. Okay. I'm not going to tell him you said it. Oh! I'm just going to say I said it. No attribution. Because I assume we're friends. And what's yours is mine. No, no, that's, no, that's really, that's a good analogy. That's a good analogy. That, I really like that. And I, and I hope you get a chance to say it again, how, how that one seed can bring up what, what are the hardest surfaces known to man? That was really profound. That, that's a good analogy. <laughs> you can use that any time. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I appreciate it. I'll quote you. Sometimes I have a hard time recontrolling myself after laughing so hard about stuff like that. But picking up on the mentoring idea, yeah. if we could just maybe spend the last five minutes of our first hour here talking about the necessity of time and the impact that time uh, is uh, on the life of an individual, and that maybe even talk a little bit about the consistency of being in the life of somebody else over time. Mm -hmm. uh, when you think about that, what's your thought? Well, I, I, I think that 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 principle, the, consi the co principle of consistency, is, is it was established by God in, in the Book of Deuteronomy, chapters four through six, as He is asking, instructing, not asking. He's instructing uh, Moses to tell the people to consistently put before the children the principles of God, mm -hmm. the teachings of God, mm -hmm. right on the doorpost. Yeah, put it above the gate, put it on the eyelids. Mm -hmm. You know, so and so, what we have there essentially is God establishing repetition. Yes, uh, uh, which, we, which we're calling consistency in the lives of people. Many young people today are struggling because people who were in their lives without, uh, who may not have even known, were, who were there to establish consistency and mold a framework of what reality should be like consistently. These people, many of them walked out or the circumstances of life caused them to no longer be there. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes parents died. Mm -hmm. It's not that they walked away or whatever. But, but, and so when that consistency is broken, I have learned, tell me, I've been pastoring for 30 years, and I was a youth pastor for 10 years. One of the single largest manifestations uh, of bad behavior is lack of routine mm, Wow! in the home. Okay. All right. The revolving people. Yeah. Uh, too many different people. Because, because the human mind, Mark, is looking for, <clears throat> a baby comes looking for a father. Mm. And a mother, mm. uh, and 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 when there's not one or both, the human mind will seek to find that in another person. There you go. And if that keeps shifting, mm -hmm. eventually the human mind will start to say, "Well, there is not, there's not one. Right. So I need to be it. I need to be it, or I'm going to find somebody on the street exactly. that's going to make it. Exactly. Yeah, I, I'm going to find my own mother and father. And this uh, this comes back to the, let me just pick up on that First Thessalonians two passage again. When I'm when we're thinking about consistency, I'm thinking about what Paul says there, where he says, "I've been a mother and a father to you, and have worked." Night and day. So this is a consistency over time, daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, that we're right. investing in the lives it's of like individuals. It's like farming, cultivating. Mm. Farmers don't. I live where there are a lot of uh, uh, farms on, on my way here. And, and you see the farmers out doing several things. Mm -hmm. Not just not just planting, not mm. just, but you see them irrigating. Mm -hmm. you, you, you see them uh, tending to their, you know, um, 
strengthen their fields doing doing various things. That's the way mentoring has to be. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, the, the the issue of consistency and and. Uh, Making sure that this happens day in and day out is a crucial component to uh, how we think about uh, raising children, much less raising the next generation. And of course, uh, that's what we're going to. We have been interested in here in this first hour. Aaron's story here in our second hour. Just a couple of minutes coming in uh, to highlight uh, these kinds of ideas. Uh, let me highlight uh, just a couple of uh, further thoughts here as we bring uh, things to to an end here in our first hour. Uh, the idea of wisdom throughout the world is so important in terms of ancient wisdom. We're concerned about mentorship and, as uh, Dr. Clyde has well pointed out, that uh, the issue of morality, the issue of uh, having, helping people to understand that these are eternal principles, are essential and huge. So just to review a couple of the ideas that we've already brought forward here, uh, Dr. Clyde and I have been talking about the idea of uh, how a mother, when she gives birth, uh, is automatically uh, attached to her youngster, uh, and we've talked about the, the importance of this. And, of course, then we uh, connect that to the attachment that we have with others in our own sphere of influence. Uh, any last words here, Dr. Clyde, before we uh, go to commercial break? Uh, just, just a couple of it's, it's important that we know that mentoring, that I believe, I believe mentoring starts with comfort before there's teaching there and you example. Go. Yes. So comforting, teaching, example. But and I but I want to shout out there's there's a there's a someone listening to us a group of people listening to us in North Carolina. Oh, nice! Uh, that one that name there. Okay. Uh, 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 Pastor Kevin Parrish. Nice. Uh, senior. He's he's listening to us from North Carolina. Excellent. And I'm trying to get him to evacuate and get off the radio and get and, and get off the internet and get out of North Carolina. But I wanted <laughs> to mention to him because he and a group of people listen to us. Nice. Um, every every week, uh, they, they they got a taste of it. So we're glad Wonderful. to have them. We're really grateful for your presence with us. Thanks ever so much. Uh, not only on on radio, but on Facebook Live, YouTube Live. Uh, we've been having some disconnect here. Facebook Live. Hopefully that won't happen when Aaron comes in. We're going to be taking a two song break uh, here at uh, Warp and Woof Radio, and we do that at the top of the first hour so that we can go and get a picture uh, with Aaron's story in this case. Uh, just a, a reminder about next week, we've got Tina Crosby coming in. This is a, a really great opportunity for us to hear from one of the great journalists here in Indianapolis. Uh, had had a storied television career for many years, transitioning now into new things as an entrepreneurial voice around Indianapolis. Grateful to have her here. Uh, but this next hour, Aaron's story from Elevate Indianapolis is going to be with us. Uh, we're going to take a two-song break, get some pictures, coming back. H.B. Bell is going to run some cool jazz here for us. Listen closely. We'll be back in about eight to nine minutes. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio at RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. We'll be right back. And we are back. Warp and Woof Radio at RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. We come to you every Wednesday from 10 until noon. We're right across the street physically. Visibly, you can see us through the plate glass windows, which is really cool. Across the street from the Bonner Center, 2131 East 10th Street. Uh, our producer, H.B. Bell, RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site, is our manager, the one who kind of makes this whole thing happen. And Dr. Clyde Posley, Dr. Mark Eckle, your co-hosts every single week. We bring in an interview generally on the second hour, and this week we are just thrilled to have Aaron Story on, um, in studio and on air. Uh, Aaron Story, the president and CEO of Elevate Indianapolis. Uh, Aaron, we're grateful for your presence. Uh, thanks ever so much for joining us. Uh, give us uh, kind of an overview of yourself, your family, your church, 
uh, your general work in Indianapolis. Yeah, so we, our family moved here 17 years ago, uh, north side, grew up in a two-stop light, northern Indiana town, got a business degree and wanted to go to law school, so I actually took the LSAT, took the GMAT, thought we would move here to do that, and um, just ended up, you know, one thing after another, family life, and and ultimately got had other plans, so we moved to the near east side, um, so around Little Flower, we live in Little Flower, uh, over a decade ago, mm. and so I've got uh, four kids of my own. I'm married for 21 years, have a foster, two foster sisters as well. Okay. And so all from the ages of three to 18 or 17 and a half. And so <laughs> a lot of activity in our house. And um, I moved, moved to Indianapolis 12 years ago to uh, plant a church and just be a community developer and serve in the Near East Side. And uh, that just compounded and grew. And ultimately in January, mm. transitioned from being a senior pastor to uh, presidents, you know, CEO of Elevate Indianapolis, mm. serves Arsenal Tech, high school students, and other IPS schools here in the Near East Side. Mm. Um, so that's been kind of our journey that uh, you know, got us to this point. Up to this point, yeah. yeah well. So uh, give us an overview of Elevate Indianapolis. Uh, take this in any direction you want to go. Obviously, this will become a conversation. We'll just pop in with our own questions. But uh, give us uh, what you're thinking about in terms of uh, what Elevate does here in Indianapolis. Yeah, so the so the kind of one minute snapshot of Elevate is ultimately we we are a privately funded nonprofit that is that offers a elective a state certified elective credit that teaches character and life skills. So right now our staff is at Arsenal Tech High School teaching students character and life skills during the day. So we have a team of teacher mentors. They teach during the day. You know, so students are taking this as part of their regular class rotations. So they may be algebra first period, Spanish second period, and Elevate third period. Um, and then those same students, we mentor evenings, weekends, uh, summer break, fall break, and we're available to them. So teach during the day, character life skills, live it out with them, you know, mentoring uh, the other times. And then our older students, we actually take them and we teach them how to teach the same thing they've learned to two, fourth, fifth, and sixth graders. Mm -hmm. And so every single week, we actually take those older students, our elevator kids, we call them our leadership class, and they go in and they teach just down the street here at School 74, Spanish Immersion School, just right down the road from the studio here, and they teach stuff. They learn about courage on a Tuesday, they teach it on a Thursday. Because hmm. obviously what we all know, and you guys know as doctors, is that you don't really know something until you teach it, mm -hmm. you know, right? Well, that's part of our model. It's, our, it's, called, mm -hmm. it's called a pipeline, so we actually work with 4th through 12th graders. Uh, mentoring high school students. Our staff have caseloads, just like mm. social workers do. They mentor them year-round. Mm. Um, that's kind of the, the essentials, if you will, are distinctives of who we are. Tons of post-secondary prep, tons of adventure programming to help kind of drop the guard of students who can actually get behind their stories a little bit, walk with them. And that's a year-round. We say 24-7, 365 model, um, year-round teaching and mentoring uh, with uh, you know, some of the most vulnerable students of our city if you track the IBJ and all the reports done in the last year, all the zip codes the IBJ is chronicling, our students come from. Um, and so we serve some of those vulnerable and challenged students in the city through the IPS public schools. Let's just, uh, for our listeners' sake, what does IBJ stand for? So Indianapolis Business Journal. Uh, it's the you know business journal focused on Indianapolis businesses, mm -hmm. both large and small, civic interests. Uh, they the last year have done a really incredible job, you know, chronicling the poverty in the city, what's the civic responsibility to that, right. putting data and you know, ROI, you know, kind of backing to that. And they've, they've done, last Thursday, for example, came out 
uh, a piece came out that chronicled 47% of Marion County families are struggling. And they go through that unpack what struggling looks like. Mm. Uh, and the reality is we serve the children of those families. Mm. Um, and that's nearly half of our city you know, now is in that place. We've had an incredible boom of economic growth the last you know, decade here. Um, but what's happened is, you know, is, is a lot of folks still don't have a spot at the table. Mm-hmm. And our poor zip codes are still struggling. Uh, the ones that aren't is because they're being gentrified. Mm-hmm. And so you've got the dynamics at place, uh, economic boom, but, but uh, we serve the students who are still not experiencing the full benefit of that economic boom that maybe many of us have mm-hmm. in our cities. So. so let's pick up on just a couple of threads there that you've just pulled out of the fabric. One is gentrification. Uh, what does gentrification do? Uh, to a neighborhood, but then take that and manifest it more in the lives of the individual students that you're working with. And by that, I mean I'm I'm interested to hear you talk about what what the future holds. You know, we talk about an economic boom that hasn't reached the, these folks yet. What has to happen uh, for this to take place? And is there any sense in which IBJ, Indianapolis Business Journal, can encourage uh, economic b- growth even within these kinds of communities? I know that's a multifaceted wow. yeah. question, and um, <laughs> we're getting political, uh, 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 even so. Hang on, folks. But, well, I mean, I think so. We're talking about community development, mm-hmm. so we're we're in the Near East side. Okay, yep. so we can illustrate this really well, you know. Here, um, you know, I would say, uh, you know, over the oh, what, what has been proven out in Indianapolis, maybe five six years ago, was Indianapolis per capita had some of the highest. Um, highest home, you know, abandoned buildings rates in the country. Mm-hmm. So over 10,000 properties abandoned homes and commercial buildings. Mm-hmm. And so and the mayor put a plan in course to how do we deal with that. And 2,500 of those homes were torn down because they were beyond salvage and then the rest were this whole process. So the Near East Side here is, is a high per capita that the highest, and if you go to Sherman and uh, New York and Mission area, that was one of the targeted areas. So 50% of the homes that were abandoned and vacant. And so developers come in and develop, turn these over. So I would say the positive of this is often that you're taking properties that have no value to the property, no value to the neighborhood, creating those to be livable assets to the community, right? So we've seen that here at the St. Clair Place. You know, just east of us is, is a lot of transformation has happened. And now you have businesses coming in. So just down the street here to the, to the west of this Burger King is two brand-new restaurants that would never have been here had – had the uh, median income, you know, not raised of right. this Near East Side, right? Mm-hmm. So, right, there's assets to that. There's right. a strength to that. Exactly. Uh, the, or let's say the balcony of that. The basement of that, a weakness of that, is often what happens is when you don't have a development mindset of how do we lift up the folks that mm-hmm. live within this community, right? you know, and serve them so they benefit from this, right. we end up displacing them. And so what you end up doing is, you know, and this has been going on for decades, but in this zip code here, in this neighborhood here, you end up displacing folks that um, new folks come in, see a benefit of a $250,000 house just you know right next door to us, right beside a $50,000 duplex, and now the taxes go up and they can't afford to live there, and they're not shopping at the you know the nice you know swanky restaurants. They're not you know they're not benefiting from those services directly anyway, and so you often have a lot of displacement. So IBJ yesterday came out with a report of the near near west side neighborhood called Stringtown. They say that's that's the start of what's happening there. Is that it's a targeted neighborhood near West Side, and they can see a lot of the same, you know, on the very front end of that. Mm-hmm. So people are wrestling. How do we make sure that the folks that have been 30, 40 year residents there 
can stay residents there and not be displaced by middle of upper income folks moving in who are just looking for affordable places to live. So, so you've got the dynamics are very complicated. It's, it's, it's very complicated. The, the, we talk about this, Dr. Codd and I talk about the tension between yeah. the ideal and the real and how the, the, we live literally with the tension of this and how much can we abide when it comes to issues of justice. Though yeah. we don't want to get into all of that necessarily, yeah. but let's you know, transition those thoughts about helping this next generation, mentoring the, this next generation. Let's include economics within that. Sure. So how does what you do at Elevate uh, bear the, the mark of uh, possibilities for the future, for the economic futures of these young people? Well, for one, our, our graduation rate is 30% higher than your typical public school graduation rate. So students that are in our program graduate 95%, which is about 30% higher than their peers. That's huge. Um, graduation has a very clear ROI. So the cost of the cost of a high school dropout to society long-term in, um, in social programming and incarceration and go down the list of is about $2 million. So you're paying for that one way or the other. You know, you're going to pay for it in a new prison that's going in a twin air, a new jail system. You're going to pay for it in any number of subsidized programming. And so, so graduation rates are a measurable outcome. That's the negative illustration. The positive illustration of a graduate that turns into the future is they're an asset, they're a thriving asset contributor to our city. They bring great ideas, they bring diverse ideas because we're serving inner city public school kids, you know, right? And so they're a huge asset. And ultimately, we're a civic program. We're building better citizens mm -hmm. of some of those marginalized citizens of our culture, which is an inner city child, right? It doesn't mm -hmm. get more vulnerable than that. Mm -hmm. um, and so, huge asset economically. When they graduate and have a plan for the future, I mean, we follow IPS's mantra. I was at Rotary yesterday downtown, and Dr. Farabee there present, reminded them their three E's enroll, enlist, or employ. So, for us, we take that as our mantra. We don't want to just run a good program as a nonprofit, mm -hmm. which can very easily become common. We're kind of, you know, you do you, as the kids say, mm -hmm. like, you've got your program. But if, if our kids don't graduate with a plan to be enrolled, enlisted, or employed, that's not a win for us. It's because if they do, then they become an economic contributor. Then they become an economic benefactor. Mm. Um, pay goes up. Contribute, you know, lawlessness goes down. They, become, they see the city with a different set of eyes, different set of ears. Mm. And so some of the things that, based on some of the different areas we were born into that are very normal, you know, mm -hmm. and maybe what family situation you were born into is not normal for them. They've never seen anything different. Mm. Um, and so they just see with a different set of lenses. And One of the things that stands out, and just for the sake of everybody listening uh, to this and hearing this, ROI stands return for, for return on investment. And uh, this is a comment that Aaron just made about return on investment for the kind of programming Elevate, Elevate Indianapolis does. But here's what so often business people forget, and that is that the ROI in your case is internal. You're developing the interiority of an individual, which is going to then change the external nature of their person. But I, that's something that's lost. Talk about how, how, how are you investing in businesses or uh, leaders around Indianapolis to help them to understand the importance of developing the person from the inside out? Wow. <laughs> so, so I, mean, I would say our, our ROI is internal and external. I mean, so we, we measure uh, one of the tools we use called the Development Asset Profile. So 40 developmental assets, you know, is a kind of universal standard of measuring 
they say is that every human needs 40 assets to be able to thrive and contribute. And so we measure that every year with our kids. So we don't just say we, we teach courage. We measure how they've grown or how they've not grown, how we can do better. Mm -hmm. And so that's a measurable outcome. Mm -hmm. So we have seven areas of a holistic child, so financial and mm -hmm. social and emotional and physical and spiritual because because we want somebody to thrive. And in order to thrive, you've got to have, you've got to be growing in multiple areas of your life. And that's whoever you are, whatever situation you're born into. And so those are measurable gains that you can make mm. uh, that we can see. And so I would say, for one, that's, you know, we're about impact and results. And so that's that for us is we want everybody to see, you know, now some of that is on, you know, left side of the brain where it's more, you know, social, emotional learning pieces where your stuff you were talking about earlier, attachment, you're wrestling through, like, is that, I mean, that's hard to measure, right? But you, but you know it when you see it, right? Mm -hmm. Some of it is very clearly measurable mm -hmm. and that people see it by the data. And, and so we try to, you know, float on, float on both sides pretty well. Mm -hmm. um, so you're doing the mixed method of qualitative, quantitative, huh? We do. Yeah. You know, we do. And uh, business community and, you know, and, and civic leaders see that uh, and they see we talk about assets, but we measure them. We talk about, you know, financial health and we try to measure that as well. So what's that look like to take a student who's been with us for three, four, five years and every year grow them to the point where by the time they graduate, it's not just good luck. You know, but here are the tools you now have to be able to succeed mm -hmm. uh, in life, and uh, and that's that's a measurable, immeasurable tool. So all of that, I would say, is so from a business. If I'm an area business leader, and one of the things we hear constantly now, you know, right, in our city is, are our folks prepared for the workforce? Do we have an informed, equipped workforce? Mm -hmm. Well, mm -hmm. you know, people love to hire our graduates because we can tell you here's what they were equipped with. And not only do they have a resume, because we help them develop a resume, but here are the assets that they have. So if they're not going off to college, enroll, and they're ready to be employed, here's what assets they have as an 18, 19 to be employed by you. They've still got to you know, crawl before you walk and walk mm -hmm. before you run, right? And that's, just, that's all of us at any season. But people love our students, and so we're, we're myth busters in that mm. often we try to help people to get past the stereotypes and myths of what it means to employ a, you know, an 18-year-old you know, public school grad of Arsenal Tech High School that uh, for no fault of our community often have no idea what the life is like for the type of students that we serve. So how can we kind of get past those myths and see that they ask great questions, they're thirsty, they're hungry, they have dreams and visions of their own, and we're trying to help open doors so they can walk out their own dreams. And businesses are a huge asset to us, both financially as a partner, but then also as a long-term employment partner with us. Well, one of the things, uh, you know, I, I've met Dr. Fairley, and um, I, he addressed um, by the Baptist Ministers Alliance uh, once, and, and I heard him use the three E's. And uh, I questioned with him then something I want to bring up uh, with you today. Uh, one, one of my concerns at, at the time uh, that he said that was that he, I, I suggested he may have left off an E, and it was entrepreneurship. And so I'm, I'm wondering. Does, does Elevate uh, push or have any, any, any concepts uh, in, in your approach to, to developing these, the, the economic understanding of some of these young people about the importance of entrepreneurship? And uh, let, let, let me say this before you answer. When, when Martin Luther King was assassinated, he was called from Chicago to, to Memphis. In Chicago, he was doing what was called a Poor People's Campaign. Sure. One of, one of the things he was he was trying to fight was that all of the black people, uh, so many of the black people there, so many of the inner city uh, uh, 
blacks there were only employees, and there were very few businesses that were owned uh, by African Americans. So I, 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 bring, I bring that in, into bear with this, because a part of what's wrong with uh, within the IPS systems and several of these zip codes, I grew up in 46218, my church is in 46205, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm Unfortunately, kind of burst with some of what the flight has been over the and I'm from Indianapolis. Is Elevate doing anything to, to cause them, yes, to be enrolled, yes, to be enlisted, yes, to possibly to be employed, hopefully, but does it do anything to help them understand that, that, that ultimate success economically involves some ownership? Yeah, great question. Um, I would say, for one, I mean, you know, we're an innovative approach to some age-old problems in the city. So I would say, one, they're, they're experiencing innovation. So, you know, right, to know what it looks like, you got to experience a little bit, and so our kids get to be around, which they may not realize this is a, you know, they might, we're an urban youth nonprofit. There's a thousand of those. But this is an innovative approach to going about, you know, executable, clear outcomes. Do they have so, to, so they to get to experience that. Work in, in mentoring with, uh, with, uh, with the business owners or? maybe on your staff or something like that? Well, one of the things, I mean, I mentioned this you know, earlier, but um, our expertise isn't our model, although there's innovative there, there's distinctives there, right? Mm -hmm. Our expertise isn't in our content delivery. A lot of folks have been teaching vision and courage and respect, our yes. attributes, right? You can go in once a year and teach the high school, teach courage for a day, give a pep talk. That's not new, you know, by itself, et cetera. But what we do is build bridges to partnerships. And mm -hmm. so, so this summer, for example, you know, we had a smart goal this summer for all of our programming. For 50% 50, 50 of our program would be all in a partnership. Mm -hmm. And so taking our kids through Purposeful Design, Shepherd Community, CLD, serving at Ronald McDonald House, mm -hmm. uh, I can go on and on, you know, not to mention college visits, post-secondary prep. Right. And so what we try to do is build bridges with them. We do what's called vision trips where area businesses open their doors up. We bring pockets of students to come in and hear about it from the business owners, so hear about what this business does, how they function and then for them to hear about who we are, what our students are. So vision is it's a mutual vision. Often what happens is business folk in the area who, who have no exposure to inner city students, they get a new vision for what our kids are like, and students who have no access to the 23rd floor of a tower downtown now can see the whole city from a boardroom, and they got exposure, so vision is gained there. Yeah, that's important. And so that is, that is a year-round activity for you us, year-round. Year round. Again, not because our model is to cause to create entrepreneurs, but our model is to build bridges with folks that are as doing a part it. of your approach. No, no, it's so I mean, that's you're doing it. You know, we want to be the you people that trust. CLD is. I know it's doing it. My my wife and that's right. my nephews are currently in CLD. So so, and I, I just think that's very important, and not just for black youth, but but uh, Latino, uh, Latino youth, white white youth, who 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 who. Uh, because of the uh, concrete jungles that some of the, that they, they experience, often only see themselves getting out of that as finding a place. If they are concerned about education, it's uh, coupled with just finding a place to be employed. And, and I, I want, uh, I tell our youth at our church all the time, you know, I'm a business owner, and, 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 and I talk to my, my four children as well about the importance of, of, of not just seeking to be an employee, but seeking to own and, and lead from the top. Yeah, yeah. I mean, with, with urban students that have been you know, multi-generational poverty, sure. and they've lived in the most challenged zip codes, and so did their grandparents, their grandparents, grandparents, right? right? So that comes with, I mean, it takes some time to sure. free open the Absolutely. line. So for us, our job is exposure, 
and year round. So it's a slow drip. So not one thing we do may be sure. transformative, but every year we have this constant repetition of slow drip. Again, all through mentoring. It's, right. it's through mentoring. It's not that, you know, it's look at our whiz bang model. It's not mentoring. Right. And they trust us and they listen to us. And then next month we do something else. If we do something else. So I think that creates long term. You know, adaptive it leaders. Can, absolutely. You know, they can they totally can break good. strongholds. They can wrestle through a different future. The Bible mm -hmm. says, "One planet, another water, then God gives us a process." Absolutely. Got a couple pastors sitting to my left over here. I got to watch out now because the pulpits are coming out. Everything you saying is good. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. And that's the reason why we have uh, a focus on this show of bringing in Christians from around Indianapolis who are practicing Titus 3, 1, 8, and 14. Do good, do good, do good. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio at RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. We're going to be taking a one-song break. When we come back, however, we're going to be continuing our interview with Aaron Story from Elevate Indianapolis, who is talking with us here today about mentoring urban youth in the core of the Indianapolis sector and how that then, of course, impacts and influences so many other arenas of life. Warp and Woof Radio, RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. We'll be right back. We are back. Warp and Woof Radio, RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. We come to you every Wednesday from 10 until noon. We're right across the street from the Bonner Center, 2131 East 10th Street. Come by sometime and wave through our windows. I noticed, uh, Aaron, that you were taking pictures through the plate glass this morning, so looking forward to checking those things out later on. We're here at Aaron's story today talking about the importance of what uh, he as president and CEO of Elevate Indianapolis is doing here at IPS, which is Indianapolis Public School System, and the importance of uh, training children, mentoring children from the inside out, literally uh, building them from the inside out. So, Aaron, as we come back into the second part of this interview this morning, uh, what are some of the things that uh, you would want to make sure that everybody hears? Maybe you want to talk about some of the stories of some of the young people that you've been, been engaged with, whatever. Uh, help us to understand some of the things that stand out in your mind about Elevate. I think, I think mentoring, you know, for one, as you all were talking about this uh, earlier, I was taking notes and thinking, you know, more on this. I mean, there's this, this phrase, Ubuntu, that we, we've heard and seen a lot. It's all I see you. I see you. And you think of the old, uh, what's the old movie, White Men Can't Jump, where yeah. they're arguing and yeah. she says, you know, like, you're listening, but you're not hearing me, mm -hmm. you know, right? And, well, I mean, mentoring is ultimately something that's, that you're seeing, you know, right? And it's for who you are. Yeah. And wherever you're at, whatever season you're in is as chaos, chaotic or messy as it is. And so I, I think it's, a, you know, just an important part of mentoring is that somebody is walking with me and sees me for who I am. Mm. You know, and that's and that's a starting point. Whatever, whether it's in the church, in the community, or in the schools, there's a lot of commonalities. There, a healthy mentoring, um, you know, relationship, being available, being present, just kind of proximity, you know, right? Which is sometimes that's caused and scheduled. Like we can schedule a time every week at three o'clock, and then sometimes that's just stuff happens. So last week, you know, I was thinking about this um, earlier. I was meeting with one of my staff, and and we had to cancel our meetings. He's walking up the stairs. He says, "Look, I just got a call from one of our students." They've got a crisis. They go to the hospital. I was like, well, that that wasn't scheduled, but that relationship was so significant that that student at you know 3:30 after the school day is over, you know, calls, can you take me to the hospital? You know, and that's what we do. So we cancel our staffing. Okay, go. You know, that's the most important relationship. Those opportunities come up, you know, right, and for us to engage and care for and mentor, 
And you know, I think about when I think of the the audience. You know, what, is, what do we want to hear? I think a couple of things is is you know, is for one with within you know a lot of our public schools with a lot of IPS, we have a lot of students that, that want to be seen and heard, mm. and and want to be recognized and want to be valued. I mean, this this is dignity work uh, first. You know, so we do, we don't need saviors. We need servants. People that are willing to come in and just be a servant, whatever your belief system is, right. you know, come in and be a servant. Right. Um, you know, and and two, you know, be open to, uh, be open to myths being broken. Mm. You know, in and you know we're in a we, we live in a very segregated you know city still. You know, and it's not really? segregation of old. <laughs> you know, I'm you know, preaching here, but but you know this, our zip codes define mm, things. Absolutely. Our schools are very segregated, and so it, whatever you believe, it may or may not be the same as it was before. But the reality is, the outcomes are still such that you can you can be middle or upper income white, you know, person, and not have any connection to communities of color. Mm-hmm. You can be a community of color, not have any connection to anybody of, you know, of, of uh, you know, of lighter hue, if you will. So, so in our public schools, this this reality is, you know, there's a lot of stereotypes that. That news perpetuates. So a couple weeks ago, I said this. There was a couple weeks ago. There was a, there was a little fight on Tex campus, and yeah, there was a handful of kids fighting. You know, and they couldn't. You know, it was 15 or so kids couldn't be stopped. It was dealt with. So it gets called in. Well, guess what happens is, if we we can't get news to show up often to do all sorts of positive stories, but we have every news station to show up when there's 20 officers on campus. And, and guess first what? Report, we, I heard there were 300 kids fighting. There were 300 kids fighting, and that. That's not true. Uh, right. you know, that's, that's not true. true. I, that's right. We have people on campus that yeah. know there was there's 15 or so kids. Right. Now there may be 200 kids filming, you know, <laughs> because that's what kids do. Yeah. You know, you could pick any zip code and you fight. You're going to yeah. have kids out there filming that's right. to try to be the newest, you know, world star hero. But I, I think just the mm. reality is is that those reinforce stereotypes of urban youth that that cause all sorts of reconciliation issues we have in our culture in the church outside the church, and so. Come and show up on a campus. You know, we do site visits. You know, we walk folks around the campus. They see our classroom. They see the school. They talk about it. Get to ask questions. But if you don't like it with us, do it with somebody else. You know, come and engage a culture of students that have as many dreams as your kids have. They have as much desire as your kids do. Mm-hmm. You know, that maybe live an entirely different life as, as your family, your own children do. But have potential, have dreams, have talents. Have have fears, have strengths, you know, and but if we can never see them because we can't get past our stereotypes, we can't get through our barriers, we can't get past our segregated schools and neighborhoods, you can never see somebody. So we go back to I need to be able to see them for who they are. And for me, this work came out of eight, nine years ago, as a community developer, as a citizen of the East Side, who is my neighbor conversation? Who is my neighbor? And half mile from my church was a campus of two thousand students, the largest High school in the city, you know, inside the Beltway, that was that lived an entirely different life than what my kids were living, than what our area here lives, and so that turned into I need to learn about them. This is my neighbor. It's my literal neighbor means literally near one. These are nearest to me, you know. And so, you know, how do you see them? Well, you've got to come into their world and their church. This is the incarnation, right? This is John one. I dwelt among you. Right. The, the the paraphrase of that is. I was in your neighborhood, mm-hmm. you know, right? Thank God Jesus didn't, like, literally thank God. Jesus wasn't this, you've got to come to us before you can dwell with us. No, 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 no. 
I will dwell among your mess so I can invite you to come to me. My Father's house has many rooms for you, but you can't get to my Father's house without me. So we need to model this same incarnational relationship ministry. Let me just come and be with you. It's not, it's not flashy. It's not sexy. It's not, it's not quick. It is long-term relationship what it takes. And so I would say to our citizens, you know, the city is make the time and the space to prioritize this in some form or fashion. Everybody's calling isn't the same. Everybody's place isn't the same. That We don't all need to do this. But, but have a space for this. Uh, because I can guarantee you, whatever you put in, you think it will be an asset, and you will receive way more out of this um, as myths and stereotypes are broken, and you realize you begin to see these kids mm. are, are often just full of hope, full of potential, and need maybe an opportunity that um, maybe they just couldn't get otherwise. And so I think that's huge for everybody, whatever your background is. One of the things that we do every single week here is uh, promote the show ahead of time and as well after the time when we do the podcast. But when we promote the show, we always ask our guests to send us pictures. I have to tell you, Aaron, that you're one of the few people that has sent us pictures with other people in the pictures, uh, which, is, which is really fascinating to me and wonderful, I, frankly. And I thought, this is really cool because Aaron's demonstrating that he's doing the proximity with thing, the neighbor thing that you're just talking about. So uh, all of those pictures on social media, if you're listening to us, go check us out at uh, either Dr. Clyde's page or mine on Facebook, Twitter, whatever. See these pictures for yourself. Aaron, tell us about some of the stories of these young people that are in these pictures, and maybe if they're not necessarily even in those pic yeah. particular pictures, but nonetheless, stories about individual students who ha you have helped in some way or another, some uh, great uh, lesson that was learned, or where they've gone on to and what they're doing today. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think... You know, biblically, we think of mentoring, everybody says, so you got to have Paul, you got to have a Timothy. You know, I think with this type of work, you know, equity, reconciliation, you know, education type of work, you benefit as much from the Timothy as you do your Paul. Like, the reality is I've, I'm a different person than I was, you know, 10 years ago because of these students. And so, sure, I think we help. I, we've opened some doors. But um, there's no doubt in my mind who's gained the most, mm -hmm. you know, from these students. And I know that's the, that's the thing to say. But I, it has been transformative. You know, so some of these kids are, these are kids that, you know, they're like my kids, you know, and um, you get a chance to walk with them, to hear their heart, hear their tears. And so the kind of work we do, we get to, we get to work with students in some of the greatest times of their life and then backed up with some of the most difficult times of their life. And so, I mean, last year we had a dinner with some students that we, we took to celebrate some accomplishments they had and take them to a great dinner in a nice, you know, nice area of town and celebrating a great, you know, high moment, right? And, and then literally, as I'm taking a couple of kids home, take one of the students you know, home, literally there's, there's police all through their block. Mm. And they say, like, oh, my neighbors are crazy, something's going on. And so we pull up, and the police were at their house, mm. had arrested one of their family. You know, so here, literally within two hours, we're at this highest of highs and the lowest of lows. And I'm just, and I'm there, you know, in this moment of, like, what, how do we love and care for and hug? And there's no answers to be had. There's no, there's no miracle to offer as much as I see you. And I'm with you, and what does it look like to help make sure that your future is different than what you've experienced mm. in some of the most challenged zip codes of our city, where the only time a lot of our students have encounters with police is when somebody is being arrested on their block. Um, and that's, that is the dynamic that a lot of our kids experience. So I think you know, those type of encounters have been transformative. Obviously, our you know, goal is to help students graduate. Uh, for those that are meant to go to college, going to college, we've taken... 
lots of you know college trips, all of Indiana colleges, uh, both Elevate has, and then kind of my work prior to that. Mm. So the Taylors and Graces and Purdue's and IEPYs and Ivy Techs, Marion, we've got a new scholarship now to Marion, so we're going to offer this year Elevate students a couple of scholarships for the Marion University, great college here in our own backyard. Mm. And so that's that's important for those that it's you know relevant to for college-bound kids, and then for kids that aren't. How do we help them have a plan that can help them move ahead to the future as well? Mm. And so I get to hear updates and letters and pictures. And got a student at uh, one of our kids who worked with for a couple of years at Ball State. He's on a football scholarship. So, I mean, now, you know, I was a Notre Dame Irish fan my whole life. Now that's my second team. You know, I'm a Cardinal <laughs> now. I'm a church shirt because of, because of him. You know, mm-hmm. I love that kid. This weekend, huh? And so I was, you know, there's no doubt who I was cheering for. You know, I mean, it's just that's, that's uh, you know, a young man that's really important to me, important mm-hmm. to a lot of us. And mm-hmm. so... We get to kind of journey with them. And just like parenting your own kids, right, doesn't stop when they graduate high school. Mm. No. Right? Mentoring mm. doesn't, right? What a disappointment, you know, to learn. But, no. but um, <laughs> no, you know, mentoring, you know, some students closer than others, obviously, but this idea that we're available. And, and some kids, you go and, you know, you know, kids become adults and you go in absences, you don't hear from them, and then all of a sudden you get an update, mm. you know. And, and, you know, you're just trusting that you've planted seeds that, mm. you know, can be... Nurtured and maybe somebody else's, you know, somebody else's mm. time and tenure. But mm-hmm. you know, with students that we serve, you know, most students. Dr. Therby shared this yesterday at Rotary. Was, you know, most inner city students graduate from IPS schools don't move outside of 15 miles of Indianapolis. And so, statistical reality is, we will have a lot of them will stay connected to. Uh, hopefully, you know, some of them, you know, go off and get a great degree and then come back to want to serve their neighborhood, maybe as a business professional. Um, but you know, some of them, that's not the story. And so, you know, we just serve the season that we're called to. I mean, we're foster parents. You know, we're, we're called for a certain season to serve them in a certain way. And the goal is reunification so they would be back with their biological family if that works out. But we let go and, like, we're here for this season, of this season in life, that you need us the most right now. Well, I think mentoring is often that way as, as well. Mm-hmm. 20 years of great mentors. Some I haven't talked to for 20 years, but they were critical in that season. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that changes when you serve inner city students either, hmm. you know, as mentors. You mentioned uh, a moment ago Rotary, and uh, this maybe t- ties back to something we talked about early on. How is the response at places like a Rotary to the kinds of things that are uh, going on with Elevate? Uh, do you have people come up to you and say, you know, we need more of this? Uh, how can I help? Um, Hey, I, I think the, the soft skills that are being developed here for, for students in the business world are huge. You know, talk to us about how are business leaders and community leaders responding to Elevate? Very well. I mean, it's, you know, obviously we're a three-year-old entity here, so we're still a story that needs to be told, you know, among the community. But so our board is, is full of incredible business leaders. So Tom Morales and Don Palmer and Steve, our board chair, these are longtime you know, life-driven business leaders in our city that see this as such an asset that, um, you know, when it was presented to Dr. Farabee, the thing he has said multiple times you know, at various events that we've done is he wants to see this in all four of the IPS high schools with as many students as being connected to because it has such clear civic measurable gain that uh, business leaders, you know, see it. Mayor Joe's been at a number of events that we've done as well because, again, they see this as an asset. You know, while we're a new emerging nonprofit, the idea of how can we put this in front of as many business civic leaders because it has such, you know, clear value of soft skills that often, you know, aren't being taught, you know, in various settings. And that's that's whatever zip code you live in. I, I've 
meet people in Warren, I meet people in Carmel, I meet people in Ben Davis just yesterday. And it's sort of, what would it like for you to have this over here? Because we can see this is of value. So it's not that, uh, but our focus is IPS, our focus is uh, the most vulnerable kids in our city, and, and um, a lot of them end up in IPS. And so that's what mm. we want to be. Mm. So, yes, it's a great response, business community. Um, obviously, we're looking for partnerships that turn into you know, connecting our students with those businesses and connecting that financial support. You know, it's going to be a sustainable, long-term relationship with an organization. You know, it takes critical partners with the mm. foundation and businesses to be able to do that. Mm. Mm. What do you see as the, uh, as the future for Elevate? You, you mentioned that this is uh, three years old. If you have a, a crystal ball or if you could create the image that you see in the crystal ball, uh, what does that look like uh, down the road for you in terms of personnel, in terms of work, in terms of its uh, magnification outside of IPS, whatever? I mean, I think, you know, a 30,000 foot view, ultimately we're, we're not a school program. We're serving neighborhoods in our city. I mean, we, we, we see this as developing leaders in the most vulnerable neighborhoods in our entire city. So what I see down the road is in Indianapolis, the, the zip codes that are being reported for often negative are now full of people that have hope, um, immeasurable hope at that. Students see themselves as civic leaders in their community, not just, um, you know, I can't wait till I can get out of here as much as I'm going to be part of the change that's going to transform this neighborhood so we don't have to rely on, you know, gentrification to change the neighborhood so people within we can lift up. This is your city, your neighborhood, your zip code. How can you help that? So, I mean, I think 30,000 foot view is that. I mean, in 20 years, what a beautiful story would be that we'd help mobilize a thousand leaders that maybe some are teachers, some are doctors, some are business owners, some are you know, carpenters that live in the neighborhoods that we've been able to serve through the schools as a pipeline. Uh, practically for us, that's drilling down deeper in tech. You know, tech is the largest type of high school. It's over 2,600 students right now you know, on the campus. Uh, we're growing like we've never grown before. We want to keep growing at tech. Um, our next vision will be on the west side. So if we'd be able to be at Washington High School next, that would be a vision for us. You know, mm -hmm. kind of the goal would be every couple of years launch, then at Attics, and then maybe after that, Shortridge. Um, you know, a lot of that's resource and partner driven. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, we, we're great at tech, incredible principal this year. Uh, Mr. Franklin, he'd be a great guest if you have the time to get away during the day, but a uh, great leader of mm -hmm. the school with a great team around him. And so we want to grow with, you know, with that team and that school and then look to the future, uh, hopefully in the near west side you know, next. But um, that's kind of what we're aiming at. It's what our board's discussing actively. We're talking mm -hmm. about with partners. How do we scale this? Again, Measurable results. We we do things. We're calculated, and so um, you know we want to be able to go you know deep and wide. Um, but we start, we serve students hundreds of hours a year with the same students, and that's we're always going to maintain that as in our growth. We want to make sure we can always you know, kind of penetrate our walk with students in that way. Hmm. The impressive nature of this uh, endeavor that you have at Elevate uh, certainly must take into account these leaders in schools. Uh, you just mentioned one at Tech. Tell us about the importance of leadership at the local IPS school level and the importance of what that means for connecting with you. But beyond that, uh, how important that is that young people at these schools see strong leaders as principals and administration. Well, I mean, leaders, you know, leaders set culture. You know, right? Leaders emphasize values. Leaders can help change culture, I mean, not by themselves in a vacuum, but as part of a team. And so the importance of 
leadership and you know in the case of IPS they really go towards empowering their you know their school principals and um, you know assistant vice principals and so they have they have a lot of local autonomy authority to execute based on the students that they're serving and so so that that person or that team is really critical to set the culture of what the school is going to be like and so last you know Friday for example you know sat through a presentation with other community partners that were there and here I mean he's he's setting a, a goal for an over 90 percent graduation rate over a 95 percent attendance rate well, you know, I, I love that because I appreciate it. it says our kids are capable of more. Let's quit setting a low bar and saying a little better than that's good enough. But let's let's push them to a much higher bar than than I've seen anybody else set. So I appreciate that, knowing that our kids are capable of more. They do deserve the best. They do deserve better resources. I mean, it was last week I heard that you know Shortridge couldn't have their homecoming you know game because it was rained out. It's the only football game in the city that was rained out because the field's not adequate enough. We have, we have set such a lot low bar for often, you know, the poorest citizens of our city, the most normal kids in our city, that we say, well, that's okay, they don't really need any better. But in the townships and suburbs, you would, that would never fly. You know, so we, we want to set a higher bar, and the, and the local leader, the principal, the administration team, you know, they set that culture in place. So maybe the school doesn't hit a 95% graduation rate this year, but maybe they hit 85%, and that'd be 10% better than, you know, last year, maybe more than that even, but what a dream would that be that we have somebody that says, I see more in you, I see you, and I see a lot of potential, Not I see you, and, and I don't know, you know, and that, the leaders go a long way of setting culture that rallies community partners and sets right. community partners, and, right. um, you know, a principal can't cause an outcome like this, it takes a team, it takes a city, it takes a village, you know, right, and so businesses are critical to that. Um, profits are critical to that, but a principal opens the door for that, and, and I think we've got a wide open door with mm. Principal Franklin the Tech right now to execute mm. that vision. Mm. You said leaders set culture. That's huge, uh, and of, cor of course, uh, what, what's the famous line? Culture eats strategy for breakfast. Yeah. yeah, sure. Yeah, so you can have the best strategies around, but if you don't grow a culture that changes uh, from the inside out, that's that's not going to fly. It, it, we just have a couple minutes left here, uh, Aaron. Thanks ever so much for being here and spending so much time with us. So you, if the, if there was anything that you wanted to leave us with, leave our listeners with, um, you know, five three points in a poem or uh, whatever you want to do here. Uh, in the last couple of minutes, what would you want to leave with people? Well, I think for Elevate Indy, I mean, you can go to our website, elevateindy.org, um, hear more what we do, watch some videos of some of our past students. Uh, we do site visits all the time. We love to host people. I mean, I, that's one of the best parts of my job, hosting mm -hmm. folks that have never been on Tech's campus, never met a, never met a Tech student. We do those formally and informally. We'd love to build those bridges. Uh, to you know, we, we just tell our story endlessly and kind of trust the results with where it goes. Mm -hmm. um, you know, ultimately, like I said, we're, we we want to partner with folks um, to create outcomes for students. Um, that often, when people meet for the first time, these types of students, I often hear stories of just minds are blown. They can't believe there's so much potential in these kids. That maybe impressions have been built through other ways that we can help remove those barriers. So just mm. open door to discussions and see where it goes. And mm. uh, we'd love to continue to talk with your audience. You know, that sure. Way. Yeah. So anybody uh, listening here today through the podcast later on, watching us on live YouTube or Facebook, uh, whatever, uh, Aaron is here to uh, not only serve these students but serve you to help you serve them. I think that's, a, that's an important uh, concept, of course, for all of us. Uh, Dr. Clyde Posley, always a pleasure to be with you, brother. Pleasure is mine, my friend. Always glad to have you. Today. 
Yeah, fantastic uh, interaction with Aaron. Uh, Aaron, one more time, thanks ever so much for being with us. Thank you, Dr. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Harold H.B. Bell is going to take us away here with some cool jazz music as we transition. Uh, Ten Point Coalition, uh, you'll be hearing some more from them at Radio Next in the next hour. Uh, next week, Tina Cosby is coming in, and she's uh, one of the story journalists here in Indianapolis. Uh, she's going to be with us. Can't wait to interview her and the new endeavors that she's uh, engaging with here in the city of Indianapolis. You've been listening to Warp and Woof Radio at RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. We come to you every Wednesday from 10 until noon. Looking forward to next week, and until that time, we'll see you then. Thank you.